Anthony, you know, at seven years old, being put into foster care and having a difficult time. And God's blessed Anthony, giving him a wonderful uh, uh, dad and mom who love him and care for him so much. Who just He's their heartthrob, and they love him very much. But those were difficult years. Those were difficult, painful memories for him. But everybody has some. Some have been molested as children or young people. Some have gone through difficult things of losing your parents or maybe a divorce. Everybody has heartaches. And tonight I want to speak to you a little bit about those things, if we can. And uh, let's have a word of prayer together again, if we can. Dear Lord, we, we need you. We thank you so much for these precious friends. I pray you bless them and bless me and help me, Lord, to, to be an encouragement. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to share with you three thoughts tonight, if I can, of things that you have to, that we can help us through difficult times. You may say, Pastor, I, don't, I'm have, a, I have a great life. That's exactly how I would have told you. And I still, am I not on here? Am I on with this uh, microphone? Okay, good. A few years ago, I would have told you I, I have no problems. I'm, I'm doing great. And man, I have the best life. And I still have a wonderful, wonderful life. But I will tell you, I hit a real wall whenever that took place in my life. And, I, and I, can, I can say that I've experienced a very difficult trial. It's not my first trial, and it won't be my last. There'll be other difficult trials, because trials are a part of life. Difficult times come, and you're going to have a trial. Now, I want to just help you, if I can, with three thoughts tonight of what to do when you hit a trial or a difficult time. Or what is it that can help us go through a difficult time? I've met scores of people now who have lost a child. When you lose a child, anyone loses a child, they call me and say, hey, can you help this person? Some of you might have heard of the, of the Kretzman family. It's a little family going to Cuba, and their little boy, little daughter got killed. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't an hour later. Someone called me and said, would you please talk to Brother Kretzman? And I'm glad to do it. I don't have a problem with how the Lord has blessed that family, and God's going to help them greatly, and He'll help us. When difficult things come, but I've met some who are still bitter, who are still angry, who still want to blame somebody, and usually it ultimately has to be God in their mind. And uh, those are things I don't want to have happen to me. I want to, I want, and so we have to understand a few things. Number one, we understand that trials are universal. Everybody has difficulties. Someone said this about a trial. If all of our trials or heartaches, were hung out on the line, at the end of the day, you'd pick yours and I'd pick mine. That means if, I, if we just went and said, if everybody, we'll start with Frank and we'll continue on back there to Dave and Peter and everybody just come on in and you just share the most difficult trial of your life, the worst day of your life. Let's begin with you. By the time everybody said something about their heartache, there were probably two feelings after we'd be emotionally drained by listening to people tell about that two things we would probably do at the end of the, at the end of the testimony time number one we would say how do they do it i didn't know that some of our trials are so deep no one knows about them the pain that you've experienced no one you don't tell it very many people it's not an obvious but after we heard your trial we would say wow i didn't know how do they even put one foot in front of another and the other thing we would think is, you know what, I think I'll just keep my trial. <laughs> I thought I had a hard time, man. I wouldn't want to be them. 
We have to understand that trials are universal. Everybody has trials. So what helps you through a trial? Realize it's not about you. It's not a me thing. It is you are joined one of the millions and millions of people who have faced a trial like yours most of the time with a lot less support than you and I have had. One of the things that whenever I heard the coroner say, your son is dead, I thought to myself, who has been through this before? My first person I came to is God. God knows what it's like to lose a child. He lost Jesus for me. So I can make it. I thought of another precious family that, uh, that we have known for years, that, that uh, the Holmes family in, in Baton Rouge, their son Troy was killed in, a car, in an accident. I thought about them. I even called them just a few hours afterwards just to sell them what happened to us and ask them what helped them. Knowing that trials are universal. Number two, the thing that helps you in a trial or difficulty or a tragedy. If, I don't like to call it a tragedy. I don't believe Tyler's death is a tragedy. I believe that it's something God, God ordained. I'm not saying it's not a sad thing. It's very sad. But I don't think it's a tragedy like it's an uh-oh that God just wasn't awake that time. He knows what's going on. But I will say another thing is to understand the character of God. Somewhere in, the, in a trial, you have to understand, you know what? God owns all, He provides all, and He controls all. If you have your Bible there in Psalms 115, look at verse number 3 and read it with me if you would, please. Everyone together, verse number 3. Ready? But our God is in the heavens, and He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. One more time. But our God is in the heavens, He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. One more time. But our God... Our God's in the heaven. He had done whatsoever He pleased. What does that verse mean? It means that God's in charge. That means He's above. I'm, he's in heaven. I'm on earth. And He can do whatever He wants. I think if we understand that about God, number one is that God is sovereign. God controls. He provides. He owns. He's in the heavens and He can do whatever He wants. He's the one who gave uh, our Son to us. A lot longer than 17 days or 17 weeks or 17 months for 17 years. It was His mercy that gave it to us. And He can do whatever He wants. I think Job had to understand that as well. Job understood that God was in the heavens. Now, I I can't imagine Job. Uh, Job is a guy who went from riches to rags. He went from being the wealthiest man in all the East to actually being the poorest man you could imagine. He went from being a healthy, robust fella to a fella sitting in a bump, dump, scraping sores off his body. He went from being a happy family man, making sacrifices for his home, enjoying uh, his ten children, to being a father, uh, 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 having a funeral with ten caskets. We had a funeral with one casket. I can't imagine the grief of ten caskets lined up in a church and saying goodbye to all of your children. We give Mrs. Job a hard rap because she said, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Let's just get it over with. I slept with a lady and went to bed with a lady who cried herself to sleep for months. And it's just so easy to cry. And even to this day, she can weep over one child. I can't imagine Mrs. Job who just went from having a house full of 10 kids to no kids, no children. 
difficulty, the pain of that situation. But the Bible said as, as this came on to Job, he said, in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. He said, naked came I in the world, naked I'll return. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly or like an idiot. It is foolish for you and I to say, why did this happen to me? I deserve better than this. I don't care what your plight is. If it's loneliness, if it's, a, if it's unemployment, if it's rejection, if it's cancer, and all of those are very seer, serious and real things. If it's the loss of a loved one, whatever it is you went through, friend, may I say to you that God is sovereign. He is in the heaven. He have done whatsoever He pleased. He makes the rules. The Bible says we're the clay. He's the potter. It's an, only an idiot would tell the potter, I don't like the way you make me make it different. No, He's in charge. He puts you in the family you are. He's, he's mapping through, through things. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delighteth in his way. But God is sovereign. I think that's the thing that you have to understand, that God controls. He is in the heaven. He had done whatsoever he pleased. I think another thought that, you know, that God owes me nothing. He doesn't owe me anything. I owe him everything. He doesn't even owe me an explanation. I do not know why the Lord chose to take our son home. I do not know why bad things have happened to you. But God does not owe you anything. He doesn't owe, I owe him everything. He doesn't even he owe me an explanation of why he does what he does. Whatever he wants to do with me, at the end of the day, he is in charge. He's sovereign. Secondly, I would just say that God is always good. God is a good God. He's far too kind to, and far too good to be unkind. He's far too smart and he's far too wise to make a mistake. Look, if you would please, in Psalms 116, just a little bit over, verse number 5. Would you read this with me, if you would, please? Verse 5, everyone. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. One more time. Gracious is the Lord. Yea, our God is merciful. Three words describe the Lord. They're gracious. That means he, he, he helps us. He's righteous. That means He does the right thing. And He's merciful. He withholds from us what we rightfully deserve. I think a lot of times we go through difficult times. We don't handle them well. It's because we don't realize that trials are universal and that God in His character, he, He's in control. He is a good God. He is always good and He's always right. There's a gentleman that uh, you may be familiar with, Brother John Bishop. Years ago, before I ever thought I'd ever lose a child, I heard him say that numerous times. God is always good and God is always right. Will you say it with me, please? God is always good and God is always right. One more time. God is always and God is always. He doesn't make mistakes. God does not make a mistake. This particular gentleman lost his entire memory. He did not know, remember how to walk, remember how to eat, didn't remember who his wife was. Here he was a vibrant preacher of the gospel and went, and went from just absolutely starting all over again. Now he's gone blind after learning all this stuff again and loving to read. Now his vision is taken from him. But he keeps saying the same thing. God is always good and God is always 
And I think what we have to understand is, okay, how do I feel about God before a trial? Because if you wait to a trial to see how you feel about God, you're going to be very, very, you're going to, be, you're going to act, if you will, excuse the word, stupid. You're going to act foolishly. Because you'll be thinking that God owes you something, it taking it personal. Why this happened to me? I deserve better than this. How much more can I take? Doesn't God know how much He can give me? I can't take this anymore. You begin to question God, which is the very, the very happiest thing the devil can do for you. He'll laugh all the way to hell's bank and get you to question God. That's why the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For him that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So, number one, realize that trials are universal. Number two, realize that, uh, understand the character of God and decide now how you feel about God. Sir, how do you feel about God? Ma'am, how do you feel about God? What do you think God owes you? May I say to you, God is in charge. God is always good. God is always right. Don't wait for a trial to decide how you feel about God. One other thing real quickly. Let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Very great, grateful for the opportunity to share these thoughts with you. They're not terribly, not terribly organized or I'll not be long, but I want to share with you this thought as in closing tonight. The third thing I would say, handling a difficulty usually depends upon your walk with God at the time. If you and I will have a simple walk with God, I'm not talking about complicated, I'm not talking about praying five hours a day, nothing wrong with that, that'd be a great thing to do. Nothing wrong about reading your Bible through every month, that's wonderful too. But I'm talking about a simple, quiet time with the Lord. You really getting to know God. Not, not, not because your mom or dad do, or your brother or sister does, not because your pastor does, but just simple Loving God and trying to walk with Him. God wants to be with you. He said, draw near to God. What will He do to you? He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. God wants us to have just a simple walk with Him. But here the Apostle Paul says that he was in a difficult time. He was being... God had comforted him so he could comfort other people. But he says God gave agents of help through trials. And when you go through your trial, knowing that you're not the only one to go through that trial, and you probably have more help than most of the world does when they go through a trial. Number two, you understand a little bit about the character of God. That God owes you nothing. He's sovereign. That God is always good. He's always right. Number three, that you know that God is going to help you with these agents. Look, if you would please, at verse number 10 of chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 9, it says, But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Man, we were, we were death warmed over. We knew we were goners. And that we should not trust ourselves, but in God which raised the dead. Who, I love that first, that first word, who is God, delivered us from so great a death, doth deliver in whom we trust, that he will yet deliver us. The first agent of, of, of help in difficult times is God himself. He will show up. How many of you could say, I can testify of that, that God has helped me through trials personally. I'm so glad that he will never leave me nor forsake me. He says, lo, I am with you always. And you find that even, even Joseph in the prison, it says the Lord was with him. When people go through difficult times, God shows up. He said, if he can deliver Jesus from the dead, 
He can help me in my trial. Number two, notice here, is others. That's why you want to be in a part of a church like this one. I'm telling you what, friends, probably one of the greatest things outside of God that helped me was my church family. I don't really know what the world does when they don't have a good church. So you, you don't know what, how good you have it till a difficult time comes. You realize you've got a good church family here. When you have a pastor who loves you, you have church family members who care about you, and you're caring about other people, what a wonderful body of believers that is. It's, that's why God compares to a body. If my hand gets hurt here, gets cut, uh, my other hand comes over to stop the bleeding. It moves to, to, it moves to, to assist. If someone hits me across the face, my hands will go to, to protect or to guard that. If something gets my eyes, my hands will go because the body is hurting. When one part of the body hurts, the other body rushes to it to try to assist and to help it. Same is true in the body of believers. But notice in verse number 11, ye also helping us to get, helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by, many, by means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. I want you to know the first agent is God himself. The second agent is other brothers and believers or church when they pray and they give gifts. And this is something that's so sweet. Listen, whenever you can pray for someone, do it. I spoke to a man today. I met him for the first time in person. But he told me, he says, you know what? I heard about your trial and I have prayed for you many times, Brother Wilkerson. I said, well, thank you so very much. What more can a man ask for than for someone would talk to him about the Lord. By the way, one of the most Christ-like things you can do is intercede for someone else. Because that's what Jesus does for us. He ever liveth to make intercession for the saints. The problem is, Samuel said, God forbid that I would sin in ceasing to do what? To pray for you. But we ought to pray. He said, I want to thank you for helping me through my trial by, number one, who God who delivereth us. Number two, ye who prayed and gave a gift. This is something I want to encourage you to do. Whenever someone goes through a hard time, pray for them. But if you can, if you can give them five bucks, give them five bucks. If you can send flowers, send flowers. If you can send a card, send a card. Do something because something about how many get encouraged by cash? Anybody get encouraged by cash? Okay, and I'm not talking about that for me. I'm talking about when a difficult time comes, that can be a blessing. It could be a small, thoughtful thing, but a gift you bestowed upon them helps them. And then we find the last thing, verse number 12. For our rejoicing is this, that the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly, what's the next word? Sincerity. Not with fleshy wisdom, but by the grace of God, we had our conversation or our lifestyle in the world and more abundantly to you, to you word. He says here, really the third agent is your own walk with God. And he describes what our walk should be. First of all, look at the verse number 12. First of all, our walk is our testimony. The testimony of our conscience. How do you keep a clean conscience? You know, many Christians are paranoid. <laughs> the reason they're paranoid is because their conscience isn't clean. They can't rest. They have to have pills for peace. They can't sleep because their conscience is not clean. How do you get a clean conscience? You go to confession, that's why. Not to a church, not to a priest, not to a pastor, but to God. If you confess your sin, He's faithful and just to cleanse you and forgive you from all unrighteousness. He says if we uh, regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. 
He tells us, whoso covereth his sin, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh his sin, he'll have mercy. You get into the word of God to keep a clean conscience. He says, now you're clean by the words I've spoken to you. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Spend time in the scriptures. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Spend time in the word of God. Have a clean conscience. And then he said here, the second thing is godly or simplicity. Just simple walk with God. Sometimes you might think, oh, pastor so-and-so, they're great. They're really up here spiritually. And they should be very good Christians. But you can be just as close to Jesus as any pastor on this planet. You can walk with God as close as you want to. And it's not rocket science. It's simple. It's simple loving God. Make Him your first conversation of a day. How hard is it? It is hard. May I say to you, it's not a walk in the park to really be a good Christian. But God doesn't want you to keep it complicated. He wants you to keep it simple. Not like, oh, I've got a strain here. I've got to pray for hours. Nothing wrong with praying for hours. I try to do it every week. Pray several hours throughout the week in different blocks of time. It's something I want to do. But my, say, my friend to you, oftentimes learning to pray simply. Hello, Father. Good morning. Thank you for this day. Help me today. Give me wisdom. Help me look for people that you're looking for. Should I give a person that, that person a track? Shouldn't you want me to give to this person? What do you want me to do here? Simplicity in our Christian walk. Apostle Paul said to the church at Galatia, I really am nervous about you. He said, I'm, you're going to be removed from the simplicity that's in Christ. You're going to complicate Christianity. You think, okay, I can't be a good Christian because I can't do this, this, and this. No, no, no. Christian walk, God wants it to be simple. He wants you to enjoy. You know, I love, I love this. Uh, the, the, the Lord Jesus, or God, came to walk with Adam when? In the cool of the day. Enjoy the fellowship there. I think of the two people that walk with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. And they listen to him. I don't think it was like they were all stressed out. Oh, man, I'm with Jesus now. Oh, you know, no. They just walk along talking and say, wow, ooh, this is good. Wow. Well, I'm gonna, hey, Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over here, over this place. Oh, well, man, please stay with us. Stay with us. They enjoyed simply walking with the Lord. And God wants to do it with you. He wants to do it with me. Simple simplicity and sincerity. You know what this world needs? It needs the real thing. It doesn't need another cheap imitation of itself. It doesn't need, it needs real Christians. Uh, you know, if you were to go to a picnic and you, and you like Coca-Cola or Pepsi, you, and, and they have a whole cooler full of Coke and Pepsi, and then in that, instead they have some Sam's Choice or Shasta, uh, listen, friend, you're not going to go for Shasta or Sam's Choice. If you can get Mountain, Mountain Dew, and you like Mountain Dew, some of our guys like Mountain Dew, but then there's another one called Mountain Thunder from, 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 from Walmart. Uh, would, you, would you get Mountain Thunder if you can get Mountain Dew? No. You would say, give me the real thing, not a cheap imitation. If cost is no problem, when you go and you see Tylenol and then the generic brand, you probably would rather have Tylenol because you know generic's trying to copy what Tylenol did. If, if, no, if cost is no matter, let me have real Tylenol. You know what this world needs? They need to look at you and say, that's a real Christian. There's sincerity there. And when the rubber meets the road, they really love God out of a pure heart. 
They have a clean conscience and they have a faith that's unfeigned. There's no fake there. They're the same on Monday as they are on Sunday. They walk with God. They love Jesus Christ. Friend, when you hit a trial, remember a couple things. Number one, remember that other people go through trials too. You're not the only one. It's a universal thing. Number two, remember the character of God. He's sovereign. He's good. He's right. And he owes me nothing, not even an explanation. So keep God off trial. Number three, simply walk with God before a trial comes. Make a lifetime goal to walk with God. That'll give you strength to handle the difficulties that come. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the joy of being able to share these moments. Bless, I pray.